Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of Stampede Radio. I'm your host, Chris Blystone, and I'm joined as always by Jim Campbell and Chris Shepard. Guys, how's it going? Hey, Chris. Good. How you doing? I'm I'm doing really well for the third time now that we've tried to start this. Um, mm-hmm. I'm I'm excited to to start the show. So so excited that we've tried to start it three times. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm excited you know, to be here. Try, too. try again. I, yeah, I, you know, I can't think of anywhere I'd rather be. Yeah, um, we, we have been experiencing audio issues lately and uh, brain malfunction and all kinds of other fun things. So uh, we're through that, though, and we're heading into week five. And so we're going to give you the full rundown of the Colts-Browns game, the whole game preview, get you prepped and ready to go uh, for Sunday's game. But before we do that, uh, let's jump into a little bit of news. want to take a look at the injury report for the Colts um, as of uh the eighth, so we've as of uh, Thursday, which is when we're recording this, we've got uh, a little bit better looking injury report than what we had at the beginning of the week. Um, so we've got Trey Burton, who's back to full practice. He was out with a rest. Uh, TJ Carey's been limited this week with a hamstring issue. Um, Anthony Costanzo has still not practiced. That is no bueno. Um, and Darius Leonard did not practice still. That is also not great. Uh, but in terms of positive stuff, we've got Bobby Ogariki with a full practice and EJ Speed with a full practice, which is very encouraging. Uh, the less encouraging thing, Anthony Walker, ankle injury, did not practice. Yeah. Um, so what's going on with our linebackers? Because apparently the whole linebacker room has been hit by an A-bomb. Yeah, it's, it's not good. I don't know what else to say about that because it's, not looking promising at this point i hope some of this is caution like with leonard in the groin issue but i don't think he's gonna play no I don't just think my just either. just my guess i don't think he plays um so he, he did say that he didn't need to practice this week to play but i don't know on one of the clips uh that somebody posted of darius leonard uh working out he was jogging and doing some other things over on another field and and somebody on Twitter posted a clip of it, but you could hear reporters talking in the background um, and their conversation um, kind of lent itself to the idea of Darius Leonard was being, you know, kind of uh, kind of dodgy, kind of cagey with the way that he was answering the questions. And one of the reporters basically said, you know, if he's going to play, why didn't he just say he's going to play? And so it kind of led me to believe that uh, most people are kind of thinking that, you know, he's not going to be suiting up this weekend. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, that would not surprise me. Uh, I mean, the Colts are two weeks out from a bye, and a groin injury could linger. This team doesn't expect they're going to be going anywhere uh, down the stretch. They don't want to have serious injury take place that could knock Leonard out for a long period of time. So um, if Okariki can play and he was in a club um, at practice, if, if Okariki can play, if EJ Speed can play, that helps. Uh, obviously, it's not great um, to have have Anthony Walker potentially out. That's That's going to hurt a lot. But hopefully he's uh, hopefully they held him out kind of as a precaution. We'll see. Um, we'll see whether he's involved on Friday. I would be inclined to think maybe he will uh, not practice. I think he's had some rest days on Fridays anyway, so he may sit. And then we'll just maybe it'll be a game time decision. Uh, the good news is their injury report is not nearly as long as the Browns injury report, which is about a mile long. And uh, it makes me you know, feel a little bit better about ours. So I guess take that for what it is. I mean, their list has more guys on it than our list. Yay. Injuries. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah, not, not super encouraging, but that's my silver lining that I'm looking at is that the Browns have uh, more injury adversity to overcome. Uh, and that takes us right into, you know, kind of our first topic here. Um, and I wanted to get started on the defensive side of the ball for the Browns because that's where there's a couple of injuries that are a little bit interesting to keep track of. Um, and so let's start with the defensive line for the Browns. That is a pretty formidable defensive line. Um, I, I don't know if it's the best one that we faced, but it's definitely a good one, and it has some of, it has one of the best players we faced uh, for certain. So Shepard, what are your thoughts on this defensive line for the Browns? How do the Colts stand to hold up against them? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, obviously everyone knows of Miles Garrett, um, you know, former first overall pick. Uh, if you know him for nothing else, you know him for ripping the quarter a quarterback's helmet off and then beating him with it. Um, you know, that maybe wasn't his best moment. Uh, but I thought it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, uh, okay. Anyway, uh, Miles Garrett <laughs> – is playing uh, elite level football right now. Um, he is legitimately. So I mean, we've, we're a quarter into the season, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But he is legitimately a contender for defensive player of the year. Uh, he's that good. Um, he's just playing outstanding football. Um, beyond him, when you look at the other guys on on the defensive line, um, they're going to play multiple players at the other defensive end spot. Nobody really stands out there. Uh, there's, I mean, you know, anybody can make a play, but there's nobody that I'm, I'm expecting to, to come out and do anything big. The two guys that um, have played really, really well against the run are Larry Ogunjobi. I know that one. Don't know how I can pronounce it, but I can. Uh, and Sheldon Richardson. Um, those two guys, Ogunjobi himself has been really, really good. He popped on tape a lot. Got a lot of penetration, made a lot of plays behind the line of scrimmage. Sheldon Richardson hasn't been making many plays himself, but what he's doing, uh, he's setting up his teammates really well. They they like to run a lot of stunts, uh, a lot of uh, loops, guys looping back around. Uh, and Sheldon Richardson's doing a great job this season pulling multiple offensive linemen with him when he's on one of those stunts. So Larry Okunjobi. So Miles Garrett can run free and, and run in there and either make a play on the ball carrier or, or you know, rush the quarterback. So those two guys, Ogunjobi and Richardson, um, are the, the two, well, the two biggest, the two most important guys for the defense, in my opinion, outside of Miles Garrett. 
Well, good news there. Ogan Joby has not practiced yet this week. Right. Um, he, he had an ab injury, abdominal injury um, in the game last week, and he has not yet practiced. Sheldon Richardson didn't practice on Wednesday, but was limited uh, today. So uh, I don't know how active either of those guys are going to be. That could be uh, helpful for the Colts in terms of being able to run the ball. Um, losing a couple of their interior defensive linemen. I know the Colts uh, definitely would struggle if you knocked out our top two defensive linemen uh, on the interior to deal with the run the same way that we have. So um, maybe a positive there. That may be an, an area that the Colts can capitalize on, even if they're able to play. Obviously, they're going to be less than 100%. So, um, yeah, maybe some opportunity for the Colts to take advantage of the run, which is obviously what they're going to want to do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you hate to see anybody injured and I feel like I have to say that, but, um, if there's one guy that you don't want to play this weekend, it is Ogan Joby. And it seemed like his injury was more serious. Um, I think Sheldon Richardson has a, probably like a, a deep thigh bruise or something, something super painful, but not something that, you know, he can't play through. I think Ogan Joby's was an oblique injury. Um, and that's something that could get significantly worse if he did play. So, um, Again, Richardson, at this point in his career, he, he's not making a ton of plays himself. He's setting other people up. Ogunjobi is the, is the playmaker and the guy that's going to knife in there. So if one of them doesn't play, it would be better if, if Ogunjobi did not play, for at least from the Colts' perspective. Yeah, well, um, moving back to that next level, then you got their linebackers. And so I'm interested to know how their linebackers stack up. Um, obviously, having a good defensive line in front of you can make a mediocre linebacker core look even better. Um, and, and I think the Colts have seen the benefits of having their linebackers look even better as a fast, talented linebacker core with um, a really solid front four. How does this linebacker group look so far this season? Well, uh, they're not as good as the linebacker core we played last week. Um, BJ Goodson, uh, Sion Takiaki, uh, and Malcolm Smith are, are the guys that get the, the biggest share of the snaps. Um, the guys that I really noticed the most, most on film were BJ Goodson uh, and Malcolm Smith. Smith. Smith's played all over the NFL. I feel like he's bounced around to every team and uh, and he's landed here on the Browns. So Smith's actually pretty solid in coverage. He's not perfect, but as far as linebackers go, the guy can run with almost anybody. Um, and he consistently found himself just in, in the right place uh, when I was watching the tape. BJ Goodson, um, he is opportunistic. Uh, he obviously is a smart linebacker, uh, but physically he's not necessarily the, you know, the, the type of linebacker you want in the modern NFL. Uh, he's just not athletically uh, as gifted as, as what you would like. He's exploitable in coverage. Uh, if you go at him with a, a smaller, quicker player uh, with better lateral agility, you're going to you're gonna blow by Goodson all day. Nobody, neither one of those guys is excellent against the run. I would say Goodson's probably a little bit better than Smith. Um, but, you know, they could take bad angles. They could miss some tackles. Uh, I actually... Uh, did see uh, Goodson he missed a, a big tackle in, in open space in one of the games I watched so you know these guys aren't great they're not a great linebacking core um, frankly I'm, I'm not concerned about them at all yeah well that's encouraging that's what you want to hear because the Colts are going to maybe need some breaks uh, with you know potentially having Anthony Costanzo sidelined they're going to need 
really any breaks they can get across this front seven so that they can, you know, be as effective as possible, especially given the likelihood that you don't want to drop Philip Rivers back and have him uh, have to wait too terribly long uh, to get rid of the ball. So um, in terms of the best way to attack this defense, at least what your scouting report kind of indicates is that the backfield is where you really want to target this team, that the defensive backfield was maybe the weakness here. What's, what do you think the, the Colts need to do there? How do you think this defensive backfield stacks up? So uh, when you look at them and you look at, at uh, the, you know, the guys that they have back there, you look at a cornerback like Denzel Ward. Denzel Ward uh, was, uh, I believe he was the fourth pick, uh, taken two spots before Quentin Nelson in 2018. Uh, and he's been really good. Um, you know, you can debate whether or not he was worth a top five pick, um, because while he's been really good, he's not elite, um, but he's still a really good corner that, you know, if you can avoid him, you should, but at the same time, you know, if you got a guy that you like the matchup, then you, t- you take the shot. Uh, he's not somebody that you just absolutely can't throw at, uh, on the other side of him so far this season, it's been Terrence Mitchell, uh, Terrence Mitchell's not great. Um, he gets beaten a lot in man coverage by almost anyone that runs below a a 4.5 second 40, uh, you're, you're going to torch him. Um, and then the other guys beyond him are guys that are, are better blitzing and they do like to blitz defensive backs. They're either better blitzing or against the run. Um, not serious. Uh, you know, they're not serious pass defenders they're which is weird as corners but they're not um there is one guy who i overlooked in my scouting report that might be coming back from injury this week uh that's greedy williams uh and he would you have to believe that he would come in and if he can play if he can go he would step in at the cornerback two spot uh for terrence mitchell uh or i i suppose he could come in and, and fill in in the slot. I'm not sure where they play him. I, to be honest with you, I didn't really look into greedy Williams that much at all because he hadn't played and I wasn't aware that he was coming back from injury. So that's an unknown. Um, but beyond that, beyond those guys, the two guys that you do want to attack, no matter what, uh, are their safeties, Carl Joseph and Andrew Sandejo. They're very, very not great NFL football players. Well, and Carl Joseph has a hamstring injury and was limited in practice. So that's not great either. If, uh, if I played as bad as Carl Joseph, I would say I had a hamstring injury every week. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, well, let's let's switch sides here and let's take a look at this offense because that's the thing that maybe has me a little bit more concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's going to maybe be the biggest test that this Colts defense has had. Uh, because this is an offense that can put up points as they showed last week. So uh, let's talk offensive line first. And um, how does this offensive line look? Are they going to be equipped to deal with the Colts defense? This, for my money, is the best offensive line in the NFL right now. Um, If there is a team that can push the Colts defense around, if there is one, it's, it's the Browns. I don't know that they can, uh, but I do believe that it is going to be a really fun uh, battle if you like watching <laughs> very large men uh, hand fight with each other and and try to impose their will on on the guy across from them. Um, they added two tackles this year, Jedrick Wills Jr. out of Alabama, uh, and then a free agent from Tennessee and Jack Conklin. Uh, and those guys have really changed the way they play up front. Um, you know, they had Joel B- 
Bidiano, JC Treader, and and Wyatt Teller before those guys. Uh, those three interior guys are solid. Wyatt Teller's been playing lights out, but really when they added Wills Jr. and, and Jack Conklin, things changed and, and changed in a hurry. These guys are, are really, really good. Yeah, well, it'll definitely be worth seeing how that how that works out. I mean, the Colts have looked solid on defense against every line they've played for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be good to see how they stack up here. Um, and man, I would have liked to have faced them with Kamoko Ture back in the lineup to see them at full strength. But uh, it'll be really interesting to see how they deal with that and see, you know, what DeForest Buckner looks like against a very good offensive line. I have a feeling he'll look like DeForest Buckner. Um, yeah. It, you know, he's, so he's going to be going against Joel Bittiano and, and Wyatt Teller most of the game, if I had to guess. Uh, he's going to have more luck, I think, probably against Bittiano than Teller. Teller is just such a rock. Um, he is kind of, he's not as talented, but he is the Browns version of Quentin Nelson. Uh, just a big, strong mauler of a, of a player. Um, and I think that, you know, DeForest Buckner can have success against either one of them. Uh, but my money would be on Wyatt Teller locking him up a little bit better than Bittiano can. So, all right. So the big pull from this Browns team has been their running back group. Mm-hmm. So uh, let's jump into that group. It's a little bit different because uh, they're they're losing Nick Chubb uh, to to an MCL um, for a little while. How does this? How how equipped is this team to deal with that loss? really well um so (laughs) i don't think uh any other team has in this this i feel very comfortable saying that nick chubb and kareem hunt were the best one two punch uh, in the nfl there there was nobody else that had a backfield that talented um a lot of people i feel like forgot how good kareem hunt was when he was with the chiefs he had the off the field issues he got cut he was suspended he came back last year uh, he never really got in a groove, but this year, very clearly, Kareem Hunt is back to being who Kareem Hunt used to be. Um, so while certainly it's going to hurt their offense, the fact that they have Kareem Hunt to fill in for Nick Chubb, um, they're very different players, but they're both very, very productive, both very talented players, and I don't know that they're going to see a ton of drop-off. The one thing that uh, I think lends itself well to the Colts is the fact of the way that they used Chubb and Hunt. Um, What they would do is that if the game was going well for them, obviously if they weren't losing big in the fourth quarter, um, they would run them, they would alternate them throughout the game. But then in the fourth quarter, uh, (laughs) they would start, they would pull one of them out and put one of them in. And you had two legitimate number one, possibly literally two top five running backs in the NFL on the same team who were both fresh in the fourth quarter with the NFL's best offensive line. And unless you were up by multiple point or multiple touchdowns, it was really, really hard to stop the Browns in the fourth quarter. So the fact that they lose Chubb, if we're going into the fourth quarter of the game and the score is close and Kareem Hunt's approaching 20 carries, I'm going to feel pretty good about the Colts' chances because he's not going to be fresh and he's not used to carrying that load. Now, he may be able to do it, but we haven't seen either – Browns running back do that this year because they haven't had to. So um, that's something to watch. They're set up well to to take it on as well as anybody could, um, but they are going to have to change how they've played in the past. 
Yeah. Uh, well, and obviously missing linebackers is not great when you've got a really speedy, uh, speedy back that can, you know, make, make guys miss in the open field, uh, a, a well-established good receiving back. And it's, it's going to be interesting to see how the Colts defense deals with him. Uh, he's going to be not pleasant to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in terms of other pass catching, uh, weapons, what is, what does their group of receivers look like? Uh, and you know, what should we expect from, from that receiving core? We know that Odell Beckham, uh, is there, but he's been, uh, you know, over the past couple seasons, he's he's been more well known for being kind of a nuisance and a name than he's been for being an actual impact player. So how has he looked so far this season? So Odell Beckham Jr. has played really well this year. Um, he's still very talented uh, in the Cowboys game. He had three touchdowns. I feel like everybody had three touchdowns in the Cowboys game. Um, but he, you know, he played really well uh, and he's still a very talented player. The Browns offense hasn't had to throw the ball much. So both he and Jarvis Landry's receiving stats are, are pretty small uh, by, you know, just looking at the rest of the league. Uh, they're not putting up big numbers, but it's just because they haven't had to throw the ball because their running backs and their offensive line is so good. Um, but really, it's those two guys, Landry, OBJ, and three tight ends. <laughs> they, you know, you could talk about a third receiver, but there's no real point to it. You might see, um, well, Kaderil Hodge, he actually, he went down. He was uh, third. He had the third most targets uh, of the wide receivers. Uh, and he had uh, six targets and three catches. So, you know, it, there aren't three receivers they throw to. They throw to Landry. They throw to Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and this week, actually, um, David Njoku had been out, but he is, I guess, coming off of IR, and he will be, well, he potentially could play this weekend. So David Njoku, uh, you've got Austin, uh, rookie Austin Bryant, and then, or I'm sorry, Harrison Bryant, and then Austin Hooper. Um, so those three tight ends are all going to get burned um, if Njoku can go, uh, and they're all going to get targets. They use a lot of tight ends in this offense. Um, part of that lends itself really well, obviously, to running the ball. Um, you know, you have bigger guys in there that can block uh it's it's going to be helpful but it's really those two receivers those three tight ends those are the guys that are going to be catching most of the balls um and if they have to throw the ball a lot it will be the first time this year they've they've had to throw the ball a lot um outside of uh, their first game against the ravens which was kind of an anomaly well, and it is worth mentioning that both Landry and Beckham are on the injury report. Uh, Beckham's got a toe injury and is limited, and Landry had is a full participant but had some sort of a hip injury. So um, they're they're not without. Like I said, they're they have a laundry list of guys who are on here. It's it's uh, an unpleasant list to look at, but yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, like you said, they see, they seem to run similar types of offensive sets that the Colts do because they mm-hmm. like to be able to run the ball, run run you know a lot of big formations with tight ends, um, and it's going to be really interesting to see. I think uh, they could be the toughest test that the defense has faced, and if they can, if I mean, well, so I guess my question is, uh, with regard to this offense, we talked about maybe very briefly how this team played against the Ravens. What happened against the Ravens? Um, and why is it that this team, like, what, what do the Colts need to do maybe in that same vein to, to kind of shut that down? Or was that just an anomaly? 
So what happened against the Ravens? The Ravens got up big quick. Um, they forced a, a couple uh, a couple punts early on, uh, and they just took advantage every time they had the ball. They scored, I want to say, three touchdowns, and it was 20. I think they, at one point it was 21 to 3 or something like that. Um, and so this team's built to run. The Browns want to run the ball. Uh, everything's based on the run. Everything's based on the run and then the play action that they set up. Um, so if, if they can't run the ball, they're not going to do well. Uh, so the Colts have to come out and either put up a lot of points early, which they have not shown us they can do. Um, or they have to be able to stop the run uh, and force Baker Mayfield to pass, uh, dare him to pass. And uh, it's not that he can't, um, but at the same time, he hasn't had to do it. They haven't won any games playing you know, solely on Baker Mayfield's arm because they haven't had to because they've been running the ball. Um, and you know, you've got to pressure Baker. Baker panics when he gets pressure in his face. That's something I noticed a lot. He only has two interceptions this year, but that's really more indicative of the fact that they just don't throw the ball that much. And when they do throw the ball, they're not throwing it downfield. Um, well they do, but not often, a a lot of it's shorter stuff because they just need to pick up a, a short first down because, you know, they got, six yards on two runs in the first couple carries it's third and four they, they hit something uh, you know some sort of quick hitter <clears throat> they scheme open a tight end using traffic so you know you've got to be able to stop the run and or score a lot of points quick uh, you know I'm, I'm pretty sure the Colts can do one I'm not sure they can do the other so to me, my read on this game is that these teams seem very similar. They seem like yeah. they want to do the same kinds of things. They seem like they're built the same kinds of ways. Um, and given the injuries at the linebacker position, I feel like that's probably an area they would have a significant advantage over the Browns, but do not because there's going to be some injury issues there. Yeah. Um, so I really feel like we're, we're dealing with a game that could be really close. It could be um, in one thing, so I, I, uh, I got behind. I, my work schedule uh, was kind of crazy, and I didn't get out my uh, my final um, look for the week. But one thing I talked about in that, and it will roll out. Actually, probably by the time people are reading this, it will be out. Or I'm sorry, listening to this, it will be out. Um, is that it should be a close game? I expect that it will. But if one team goes up big early and they finish it out that you shouldn't read too much into it um, because the the Browns want to run the ball. And if they can't run the ball, their offense is going to be stagnant. If the Colts win the game 31 to three, don't think that the, I mean, the Colts obviously have had a very good defense, but don't think because I've called this the best offense that that means that this is an all time defense. It's a very, very good defense. Don't know that on the same token, if the Colts lose 31 to three, don't overreact because this is the best offense they've faced. And we are down players. It could go, it could be a blowout either way. I don't expect that. I do expect it to be a close game. I'm just saying that if it is a blowout, don't overreact either way. It doesn't necessarily mean anything. These teams are very evenly matched, um, but it's just, it's a weird matchup because they are so similar in everything that they do. Uh, It could be a great game or it could go very poorly for either team. Yeah. If there's one thing Colts fans do not do well, it's listen to advice, not to overreact. Um, I fully expect that Colts fans will overreact almost no matter what happens. Sure. Yeah, probably. I'm overreacting right now. Yeah. I don't know about you. (laughs) All right. Um, 
we're going to take a real quick break, guys, and we're going to come back and we're going to do some bold predictions for this game. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. All right, we're back. And now I want to take, so we've, we've kind of taken a look at this matchup. I want to go into a few predictions. Uh, we're a quarter, we're a quarter of the way through the season. Um, we kind of know what to expect, so, so we're going to make some spicy predictions here. They got to be spicy. They got to be actually bold. Got to got to make some good bold predictions. Um, and Jim, they can have to do with Ben Banigou if you want to. Um, that would be very bold. Um, but but we're gonna get we're gonna get a little spicy with our predictions here. We'll go around and, and uh, at least once, maybe maybe do two. Um, predictions for this game uh, and how you think that that things are going to go. Does anybody have one out of the jump, or do you want me to take to lead off so that I can give you a second to to think? I uh, I've got one. Okay, go for it. This isn't going to sound spicy, uh, but <laughs> already hedging. He's not even said it yet. And he's yeah. already hedging. No, that's the thing. It's not because for any other team it wouldn't be. But the Browns literally ran for three hundred yards last week. Uh, so I believe the Browns are going to rush for fewer than 125 yards, uh, which probably sounds like a lot, but it's not for them. Uh, I think if the Colts can hold them to under 125, that's a win. Um, even with the Colts defense as good as it is, um, I think that they are going to rush for fewer than 125 yards. Uh, and that is spicy because this Browns offense is, or offensive line and, and running game has been very, very good. All right. Yeah, I mean, that is that is that is that is as spicy as oatmeal. It's very spicy. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Spicy, spicy or absurd? Can absurd be spicy? Absurd can be spicy. 
<laughs> can spicy be absurd? Uh, well, yeah, it can. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so my absurd pr- prediction is uh, that the uh, defense is going to uh, generate uh, at least four turnovers, and one of them will be a pick six. Mm. Four turnovers. That Good would lead, gracious. That, that would, would be lead to a Colts win, yeah. If it didn't, mm-hmm. it would lead to somebody needing to be questioned about their job. Yep. Um, you, you said spicy, so I went absurd. Yeah, that is like <laughs> blazing wings at Buffalo Wild Wings spicy right there. Um, yeah, okay. Man, I mean, I – so one – and you said one a pick six. Man, you're really – you're like Mark mm-hmm. Steffler-ing this one. There's almost no way that you're going to get this bold prediction here. Nope. Because you're it's just completely going impossible. all the way. It's it's too specific. Like I'm uh, almost guaranteeing the opposite will happen. Yeah. Well, that's not great. Um, no, it's not. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, you know, the prediction I'm going to make – I'm going to make an offensive prediction, actually. Um, and it's not because I, you know, think this is a bad Browns – you know, defense or anything like that. But my prediction is going to be uh, that T.Y. Hilton returns from his journey into the wilderness for this game. Um, I I think that with the right usage, this team could be susceptible to what he does well. And I think a lot of this is going to hinge. Some of it's very much going to hinge on, whether Costanzo can play, that's not looking great right now. This is what makes it a little spicier that it very well could be that uh, LaRaven Clark is out there on the left side and that doesn't bode cool. well for uh, oh, for anybody being able to have a chance to get the ball to T.Y. Hilton. Um, that, that may not be great, but I think this is a game where T.Y. Hilton you know, hits 100 yards receiving and gets a touchdown. Um, and and kind of looks like old T.Y. Hilton again. And that's that's my bold prediction for this game. I want okay. it to happen. Yeah. I want to believe you. Yeah, I mean, and, and I like normally predicting T.Y. Hilton have a touchdown and 100 yards doesn't seem very bold, but when he hasn't had, I think, what, 52 is his high this season so far? And that seemed like even in the games where it happened, it seemed like, oh, he got 50 yards? All right. Okay, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that's the does, case. Does he have a touchdown this year? He does not, I don't think. I, don't think so. I was thinking there was one, but... No, there was one. He dropped it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. Uh, Anybody got another one? No. I mean, I, I'm bad at spicy predictions, so... <laughs> yes, that was apparent from your first prediction. <laughs> I mean, no, I don't... I, uh, no. <laughs> I, I try to come up with one that I that I find ridiculous, and you guys are like, "Oh yeah, whatever, Chris." Like, let's not even. Like, who cares? Like, I'm like, oh okay. I mean, I totally understand why it's spicy, but I get why people <laughs> would say it's spicy. Okay, sure. Uh, yeah, I get. Not everybody uh, breaks down the game like I do, and like, oh yeah, one twenty-five. That's pretty good. I get it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So then let's go ahead and get into actual game predictions here. Uh, what do you guys think? How do you think this game goes? And what's your score prediction for this game? Hmm. Jim, are you, are you, are you there? I was, <laughs> yeah, I'm I, there. Okay. I was going to let you take it. So 
Oh, I, I didn't. I was thinking because I honestly have no idea. Okay, well, um, uh, if you want, I can, I can go ahead. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, like I said, I think this game's going to be close. Um, but again, it's one of those where it's just so evenly matched. Really, nothing's going to surprise me. Um, either team could just have an all-out collapse. Um, but I don't expect that. I expect it's going to be very close. My final score prediction for this one, um, really it's because I, I think this is going to happen due to the strength of the Colts defense, uh, and the ineptitude of the Colts offense. Um, I hope I'm wrong. Um, but I think that the Colts are going to pull it out. Uh, and I think the score is going to be Colts 17 Browns 16. That is not a super compelling scoreline. That is probably going to be a rough game to watch. <laughs> hey, I don't wow. think so. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch uh, because the offensive and defensive lines are just going to beat each other to death the whole game. And you guys may not enjoy that, but I find it to be a lot of fun. I enjoy parts of that. Well, I get it. <laughs> well, and it makes me feel a bit better about where I was hovering because I was thinking like, uh, Colts win eighteen fifteen. Yeah, okay. kind of where I was uh. at in, in in that. Yeah, I mean, not not any better, but based on what I heard, that sounds about uh, correct. Yeah. Yeah. And these these angsty teenage score lines, I'm not a fan of. <laughs> I'm not at all. Like I'm 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 going for my 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 game prediction is going to have gone to college. Okay, that's all I'm saying. Uh, and so I'm I'm going to say that this game finishes. Um, 21 to 24, a much prettier, kinder number than the. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're right. The total 14 points more than what we said mm-hmm. was what, yeah. way better, Blystone. Thank you. Hey, look. Makes look, it so much better. I mean, all I'm saying is you take a 15 year old and you put him in a room with a 24 year old, there's a big difference in maturity there, and entertainment value is probably much better for the 24 year old as well. Just saying. Um, so. <laughs> I'm Nothing. trying to think of a joke because there's got to be something, but I can't think something of anything awful I want to put on, on a there, podcast. So yeah, we should just go ahead and roll straight through that one like it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <All> right. <laughs> so yeah, I, uh, I, I'm thinking it's going to be close. I'm still going to give it to the Colts. I do think that it's going to be one of those uh, game where maybe the fact, and, and again, I don't know. Um, how how the Brown special team unit has gone, but I'm honestly thinking that the Colts playing really well in special teams yeah. is going to maybe give them an edge uh, that, that they're pretty evenly matched across the board. Uh, the Browns seem to be a little bit more injured than the Colts, but that's kind of hard to imagine. Um, and the Colts are suffering some pretty significant injuries and that, that may definitely play a factor. But I think ultimately if you get down to it, you're talking about a special teams unit that's played really well and they give the Colts a little bit of an edge and they win by a field goal. Yeah, so um, that's actually something I talked about in in my special teams breakdown that hasn't come out yet. Uh, their their kicker is Cody Parkey, who is most famous. For, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. most famous for the double doink forty three yard field goal miss with the Chicago Bears. So, um, you know, I talked about it in the in there. He could have overcome that, and he could be you know like the the most clutch kicker of all time from here on out because he's overcome that. But the only evidence we have is that missed kick. Uh, their punter is um, wildly inconsistent. Uh, he will make some really ridiculously bad plays and then a good play, and it kind of all averages out to be, you know, decent. Um, 
but he is inconsistent and it's one of those things their special teams units aren't great the Colts special teams units are great and I think it's a, a pretty good bet that um, if, it, if it is a close game that the Colts definitely have a huge advantage on special teams yeah that's uh, that's an area that they have been really good so far this season and hopefully that continues and and if they get through this game uh, the schedule loosens up with the the Bengals and then they've got their bye week and then they've got the Lions so they got a chance to get some of these guys healthy and um, that definitely would be a big bonus because they're going to have a, a kind of brutal stretch after the bye week uh, after they play well after their second bye week when they play the Lions um, they'll <laughs> they'll have uh, the Ravens and then they're in the thick of it so and the way the Titans are going we might get more bye weeks yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the Titans are like like we would expect awful and ruining everything and you know this is why you should go leave a review for our podcast and tell us how awful the Titans are because they remain awful and now now I mean you're really we've had you leave reviews for the Titans as a restaurant that sucked but now you can leave a review for the Titans as a restaurant that sucked and gave you COVID yeah I, would, I mean actually I'd like a review as like a from the point of view of a staff person and we have to try to determine whether you work for the Titans or the White House <laughs> oh and that's all the time we have folks <laughs> oh man all right well guys that's about all we've got um until you know game time this week we'll ha- we'll be back with a podcast next week uh to kind of recap whatever happens in this game maybe we'll be wildly wrong and we'll be trying to calm down your overreactions um maybe we will be spot on and I don't know I mean, we'll, who knows that's probably exactly what will happen we'll have four turnovers and one of them for a pick stick <laughs> and Jim will come back very smug uh, for the next podcast as we would expect him to three of those turnovers will probably be be, be from Ben Banigou himself um, I, I will uh, will that into existence that that would be fantastic that would be a what a way to make an entrance into the like if he just took over a game just had one ridiculous <laughs> game of just like three forced fumbles and a pick six it's just like who is this guy this has been Banigou he's the NFL player of the week uh, all, <laughs> NFL, all, NFL, all NFL player of the week he just dominates everyone's like this JJ Watt level like peak JJ Watt level performance I'm I'm here for it so if that happens uh, Jim's gonna be hosting the next podcast we're just gonna yep. let him host and he's just gonna be it, like the smugness will be palpable tell you all how much smarter at football I am than all of you <laughs> at all times. The, so we'll be we'll be pulling for that to happen because so uh, fortunately for all of us, it never will. <laughs> sorry, Ben. Um, yeah, sorry, Ben. Not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that's all we got. Uh, check out Stampede Blue. You got Shepard's scouting reports for all the in-depth stuff that we've talked about today. There's a lot more detail, obviously. Uh, it, it, something I found interesting, Shepard, and I really appreciated you adding your notes in there and kind of showing what your process looked like. Because if we know nothing as Colts fans, it's that it's important to stick to the process. And uh, Shepard decided to let you in on what exactly the process is that he sticks to, um, which... I thought was kind of interesting. You may think is really stupid, but whatever. I mean, like some people like offensive line play and some people are idiots. So, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, my, my process is, 
Jim the just best died. Line ever. I know it's the best line ever uttered on the show. Let's just end recording now. Sorry, <laughs> we're done. All right, <laughs> never mind. Sorry, go ahead. Oh goodness. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, my process isn't. Uh, it's not highly scientific. I just write a lot. I write a lot of notes that usually no one ever sees. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I go back, I watch all 22. It's, it's a long process. Um, but yeah, you know, they're like Chris said, you've, you should like watching offensive line play. That's yes. That's what I said. Yeah. That, was, that very <laughs> diplomatic thing is what I said. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, follow us on Twitter at Chris Blystone, at NFL Scheme, at Jim Campbell 81. Uh, check out Stampede Blue. Lots of good stuff coming out there. Um, and, yeah, we'll, we'll see after the game. We'll recap it, and we'll go through whatever the, uh, you know, the end result is. We'll let you know what all is going on with any new Colts updates and news. And until then, we'll catch you guys later. Bye. Later. Later.